What does it mean to be truly educated? So whenever I think about education and, and teaching and what it means to truly be educated, I think about um, what does it mean to be able to give students um, a way for them to really understand the world as it is and as it was and all the things that it could be and most importantly, their place within it. And I feel like if we're doing that, and if we're helping students find ways to thrive and really understand that, that they're a part of a global community, then we can say that we have given them an education. That's Kimberly Eckert. Kimberly is a 2018 Louisiana State Teacher of the Year, 2020 ASCD Emerging Leader, 2020 Global Teacher Prize Finalist, 2019 NEA Social Justice Activist of the Year National Finalist, and a National Center for Learning Disabilities expert teacher. Kimberly's vision of inclusion starts with building inclusive spaces in the classroom. She challenges all of her students, both general education and special education, to become advocates for inclusion. Welcome to season three of Beyond the Curriculum. I'm your host, Erin Blackwelder, high school English teacher and co-founder of Teachers Going Gradeless. And I'm Michelle Cottrell-Williams, 2018 Virginia State Teacher of the Year, former high school history teacher, and current instructional coach at the middle school level. In this season, we are looking at inclusion and how creating more inclusive environments provides spaces where all learners can thrive. We will be learning from teachers and advocates who will help us gain perspective on what inclusion means and how educators can be intentional as they create more inclusive environments. We'll find out about common barriers that prevent inclusion, some ways inclusion is done well, and how general education teachers can partner with both special education teachers and community members to take our learners beyond, beyond the, the curriculum. curriculum. As a teacher and a special ed advocate, how do you define inclusion and why is it important for educators to intentionally build inclusive spaces? Oh, I love that you included the word intentionally. So um, an inclusive space or an inclusive classroom or inclusion itself, um, it's so funny. The purity is in the word. It's, it's included. So it's not merely there. It's not merely like present. It's like actually included where an environment um, exists in its form because you're there and because you've made it better and because um, there's a community formed and without you in it, it totally changes the dynamic of it. And I think that that is true no matter which space we're talking about. And I think it's so important um, that educators intentionally build inclusive spaces uh, because if we don't do it intentionally, they don't really get built on their own. It's, it's just one of those things about humanity. Um, we're very good at sort of um, going along in our own bubbles and our own worlds. And unless we do things on purpose, um, we don't really we don't really include people, right? We kind of go with what's comfortable and what we're used to. Um, and that speaks to just so many different elements of life. And I think that whenever it comes to our classrooms, again, if we're going back to that idea of education, that's our kids' best shot at navigating the actual world as it exists, not just the way that it exists um, in their home and on their street and in their town. And so if we're not doing that again, it's not really going to get built on its own. And I think that history has definitely proven that to us. Hmm. Yeah, it makes me think of like the the cafeteria at school, right? And the difference between sitting 
at the same table or actually turning to the person near you and bringing them into the conversation. Yes. And just, you know, and that doesn't come naturally until it does, right? Until we start to do that with with automaticity. And it just, it's it's kind of cool because once you call it out and you expose it, it ceases to be a thing at all. So yes, intentional. That's a super super cool aspect. And as a teacher myself and and a parent, I have this love-hate relationship with IEPs. Um, Mm. You know, one, the IEP um, is, is a document that helps advocate for inclusion for my children. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, why do we need Mm -hmm. a document that advocates for my children to be included? Right. Yeah. Ah, That's the million dollar question. Right. (laughs) And that's, I just, I try to wrap my brain around it and, you know, we need, we just need more teachers and educators and community members to just realize that we are better classrooms, we're better people, we're better communities when everyone has a seat at the table. Mm. Um, And if we didn't need IEPs, then I think our classrooms would be a better place. And I don't mean to get rid of the IEP. Right, but to eventually get to a place where it's no longer needed. Right. Yeah, you don't need to be told how to include children. Yeah. So um, as an educator um, yourself, how do you promote more inclusion in your school and your community? <sighs> okay. So I'm, I'm really glad to get to reflect on this. And I was talking to Michelle about this um, because so much of this is just ingrained in who I am. And it's, it's time for me to sort of process like, where my intentionality is with this. Um, So I think that it's kind of important to know where I started with this as an educator. And it's because I wasn't always um, a teacher in this, in this form and this, uh, this new like 2.0 version of who I am. So I was a social worker before um, and I worked uh, a lot with mental health and I worked for an organization called best buddies, which aims were to, um, create authentic friendships. Like, um, and I know that might sound antithetical, like create authentic friendships, but it really, it really was where you go into schools um, and you would help students and faculty basically learn how to interact um, and, and respect people who are different than them. So it, it was about building friendships between people with disabilities and without disabilities. Um, and I realized that that's another one of those things. You shouldn't need a club for that. And yet we do. And the more that I was in schools and the more I realized um, how foreign that notion was, um, the more I realized I needed to be in a classroom, honestly. So whenever it came to promoting inclusion in my own spaces, I did that a number of ways. First of all, like really trying to attack stigma of what of what it means to like just think and learn differently. And I think that that's, that's a really huge space. So in terms of promoting inclusion, um, a lot of it came down to like just removing any possible barrier that would get in the way of us having inclusive spaces. And so what I mean by that, um, it's like trying to find spaces where all students could be together um, and really questioning when they couldn't. And I think that was a huge space, too, because sometimes we'll have these really special opportunities for kids with disabilities. Whenever you get down to it, there's no reason why. It's not for the comfort of the student with disability. It's often for the comfort of everybody else. So mm-hmm. to look at, you know, does, is it necessary to have separate events here? Is it necessary for us to do things differently in this space? Um, from there... 
and I could go on and on about this league forever, honestly. Um, Within my own classroom, another space of it, and again, it's it's not just with, with disabilities. It's really about helping students like find their own voice. And so whenever we we take students for, like as they are, right? And we look at them as, with, with their assets in mind and we're really leading from that. Um, we get to a place where you're, you're just included. It becomes your community. And I think that that's really important. So I'm going to go back to that idea of barriers too. Um, because I was an inclusion teacher, so and which was kind of cool. I didn't know inclusion existed before I decided to be a teacher because it wasn't a part of school. It wasn't a part of life whenever I was in school. Um, but looking at even like honors classes, like what's a real reason why we couldn't have an inclusive um, space for honors and like taking a look at that. And a lot of times there's no good answer for things. And so I just kept asking questions and kept pushing. Um, and I think that really helped. And then another thing, and I noticed this, and it carried over from from my past working with Best Buddies, where we were creating these friendships, um, kind of doing away with this idea that that to be friends or to include someone with a disability somehow makes you um, like special or kind. And I think that kind of targeting that idea too um, really removed some social barriers. Like, no, you're not, um, like a hero because you're friends with somebody with a disability. You're a person and you're a cool person and you're somebody that, you know, deserves to have great friends. And that's a person who deserves to have great friends too. So a lot of it was sort of like challenging mindsets and definitely taking a look at barriers. Like, why don't we have the world that we want to live in? Why do we need IEPs? Why do we need social clubs to teach us how to be, um, nice and decent humans? And so, um, like sort of, taking it from there I think that really is the, the guiding um, approach for everything that I've done so going off of that what are some ways teachers especially general education teachers but what are some ways teachers can promote more inclusion in the general education classroom and how does this benefit both general education students and special education students Okay, that's a whopper of a question. Um, and it's, it's a really, really good one. So I think, and this is um, something kind of funny too, especially going down the narrative of Kim, like in my life. So I taught, you know, special education for half my career and then actually um, ended up on the on the other side in general education, which I still think it's, it's special education. It's just, you know, more kids. Um, and I think that being in that other space it really helped me to see things from a completely different way. And I think part of that is the fact that I, I don't think I really realized before whenever I was teaching exclusively SPED that like school is really set up with a culture of ableism. Like, and I know, and I know we, we know that we never really call it out. And so I think the first and the best way that teachers can promote um, more inclusion is by trying everything they can to make sure that um, that school that school is not just school that it's an education like anything we can do to, to provide opportunities for real experiences um, for authentic learning for students to really be able to have a variety of ways to show what they've learned um, for them to ha- have the opportunity to be the hero of their own story which means sometimes we got to kick out the old story and start new ones and I think that um, that that is just something that needs to happen in every classroom everywhere for inclusion in every sense of the word, because school is made for a very specific kind of student. Um, and it, and it's, it's, it's up to us to make sure that we're advocating to make sure that all means all and that um, experiences are really rich and really include everybody. And I think to that point, moving into the next part of that question, 
it benefits all students, uh, number one, because we're, we're that much stronger together. Nobody is smarter than the class brain. Um, nobody can do more than the class can do together. Uh, and so I think that whenever we are exposing all students to, again, people's assets and to um, all the wonder that comes with really getting to know the person next to you and, and feeling like you're a part of their culture and you're a part of their world, um, it, it makes your world a lot bigger. And I think that we need to make sure that we're living in as big a world as possible because we're not alone in it. Um, and then obviously for students in special education, uh, like, like the, the literally the world needs them like the world needs them exactly as they are and for all of the special things that they bring and if they are not aware of that until they turn 23 years old and can't be in school anymore then that's not an education that's an immoral disservice so i think that um it all comes down to really the quality of the education and what and what we're trying to provide um in terms of what helps make a, a lasting mark in in the community and on a child's ability to advocate for themselves and, and find their own agency and their own voice. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's that second half of your answer is so important because yeah. um, I, it, it does take this, this paradigm shift for teachers to understand like, why should I be different? Why should I make changes to the way it's always been done if it's only going to benefit a few students? Um, and so shifting into this, no, it's better for everybody um, is is hard, but necessary and true. Um, so I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think the other thing um, that I realized once I was an English teacher, uh, you know, on paper, is that just because someone does not have an IEP does not mean that they don't think or learn differently. So truly um, shifting the paradigm benefits every single child. And I think that even the ones who are good at the traditional version of school, it shows them how much better they could be at the rest of the world whenever school is over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and when you've created as a, as an educator, you've created this truly inclusive environment, then all those invisible pieces of children that, uh, for whatever reason, didn't fit before, uh, we didn't even know they weren't fitting now suddenly do. And so not just the, the stuff on an IEP, but, um, but every difference in a child is welcome. Um, that does affect everybody. It's so important to to know that you belong somewhere. Well, and that goes back to what is the uh, you know what is the purpose of education, and if if it's to um, fill our children with information, there are going to be kids that can't access the information. But if it's to draw something out of our kids then everybody has something that can be drawn out of them. Absolutely. So how have you seen inclusion done well? And what are some of the benefits uh, you've seen when schools and communities adopt more inclusive environments? Okay. So um, one of the <laughs> one of the drawbacks to being a teacher is that a lot of times, you know, we're only in our own four walls. Mm -hmm. So whenever it comes to seeing inclusion done well, um, I haven't had an opportunity to really step outside of my own classroom. Um, and like I said at the beginning, that seeing inclusion not done well or not being considered at all is one of the driving considerations of me changing careers from being a social worker to a teacher. Mm -hmm. um, 
So uh, I have my own experience. And so I'm going to, I'm going to lead from that. And I think that like in my space and it's how I now coach teachers because it's, it's from seeing that done well. Like if it's not something that's accidental, like every single um, classroom space that I have, uh, it, it becomes an inclusive one and one that celebrates differences. And so whenever it's done well, um, I can, I can maybe sort of give you an idea, like, you know, starting class off with, with ways that, um, students can like express who they are. Right. Um, and really like take ownership over, over their gifts and over everything that sort of makes them special and the things that they're proud of. And, And that's really important because whenever our peers view us, the last thing any teenager wants is to be seen for all the things they can't do or all the things they don't know. And I think that as a teacher, it's really important to give students the opportunity to really narrate their own story and to really be in control of the narrative so that the class sees them the way that they want to be seen. Um, and I think that that really sets them up for success um, all around, not just in class, but, but obviously later. Um, I knew that I was doing, uh, doing inclusion. I knew that like my class was like fully included, I think, whenever students were really becoming allies for each other. Mm-hmm. And that, 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 mm-hmm. like sort of next level things. And it, and it started very early in my career um, because, I, again, I was always advocating for, for inclusion, whether it was honors, whether it was, you know, a reading class. I tried to make, you know, it, it a reading intervention slash like a creativity curiosity workshop. So I would always have students of all abilities in my spaces um, because my students would like that, that as well. Um, and I remember that there were moments where um, it sort of clicked for students uh, that were not in special ed, like, for example, like use of the R word, right? Because um, it's mm-hmm. like a casual slang. I, and whenever I say R word, I do mean the word retarded. And so that was like a slang word for, you know, that's cool or that's crazy or whatever it is. And I knew that it had clicked for my students that, that, that words matter and that we are in control of those whenever they basically um, want to start a school-wide campaign to like ban that word um, from campus. And I thought that that was a a really cool thing because it involved truly students with and without disabilities um, being an ally for those who may not be able to speak or say that that word bothered them. Um, And I'm like, okay, that's, that's inclusion. Like whenever, like literally we're all in this together and whenever you can't, um, speak for yourself, I will stand up for you and I will stand beside you. And I think that, that that's a really special thing. And I, and I, I think like looking back, like that was a pretty powerful moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then recently, like on the other end of this, um, there were students in my class who really had, they started to question like the lack of accessibility um, for different spaces, like, you know, the football field or the bleachers or like why kids had to sit in certain spaces or they couldn't really fit. And it made it really obvious that they were different. Um, so my students, we, we ended up going to um, an event called White Cane Day. They were trying to understand from students who were visually impaired, like what the biggest barriers were and how to navigate and how to advocate. And I'm sorry to make this story long, but what was impressive about that is that my students, they didn't want to read about visual impairments from books. They wanted to go to people, to human beings, other people who actually had um, visual impairments and learn from them and let them guide and let them lead the way. And they took that learning back to our community, our campus, and and, um, are still in the process of trying to make areas more accessible. So again, I think that those ideas, like the entire world is their world too, even the world that, that some people can't see. And I think that, that that's really a space that we should get to. And I think that um, it speaks so much to just the power of empathy and the idea that, you know, we don't bother to solve problems we don't care about. And the more we get our students to care, uh, the better problem solvers they become. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and when we were um, talking, um, when I was talking about having you come on, um, you shared another story with me about um, uh, kids working in a small group together. And one of the your special education students um, was having some tics during the group. And so uh, another student after class came to you and asked you about it and what they're supposed to do with it. Uh, and so I'm wondering if, do you remember what story I'm talking about? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So I'm wondering if you can speak to how you as the teacher created an environment where the, the general education or um, the, the non-disabled students were able to feel I, safe enough to learn um yes okay that's a really good question i'm glad you remembered that story um so and and that speaks to like the idea of an entirely inclusive classroom culture too like we are our feelings and we are our fears and we are our misconceptions we are all those things and i think that whenever we make a space for that it's important as well. And I'm going to veer off just a second. I hope I come back because it's going to all connect if it looks like it doesn't matter. Um, but so my daughter, she's five years old. My brother-in-law has um, a physical disability. He was born without forearms. So his hands are connected to like, the upper part of his arm. Like his bicep. And whenever my, my daughter was like three years old, um, it finally occurred to her that like, you know, his arms were different than everybody else in the house. And so she was like, she calls him Princess Willie <laughs> instead of Uncle. <laughs> and she was like, you know, Princess Willie, what's wrong with your arms? And it's funny because in that moment, we could just tell like the air kind of went out of the room. Like no one in the house would say anything. And I could see like Willie got uncomfortable and my sister, whose wife got uncomfortable and they ignored her. And I was just kind of standing back watching this. Um, and so, of course, she kept asking louder. And so in that moment, it was sort of in slow motion. And I was like, that's what happens, right? Like whenever kids are curious, because obviously we are designed to pick up on undifferences and similarities, but like feeling like shushed and like, oh, we don't talk about that. It sets students up to be too scared to ask. And when they're too scared to ask, it's when they stop making eye contact and they stop saying hello and they stop remembering um, that that's a person. Instead, that's a secret. And we don't talk about that person because we just don't talk about them. And so to bring it back, um, actually addressed it there and I was like oh I was like you know let's ask Uncle Willie like Uncle Willie like you know your arms are super cool they're different than Haven's can you like can you want to talk to her about it do you want to show her and it just kind of like like let some levity into the room and the thing is she stopped asking and she's you know three years old she bebopped on to the next thing right. um, it was a non-issue and so to bring that back to my current day classroom right um being able to create a space where kids can get that out into the, the atmosphere, because that's the only way to really replace that fear with, with love and, um, and to go beyond tolerance to respect and actually accepting uh, that, that people are different and that's what makes us beautiful, right? Um, so about that question, we really do start off with so much team building at the beginning of the year and really owning what makes us uncomfortable, owning like our own voice and owning our space. Um, and that it's okay to ask and that like, you know, this is your classroom and I'm your teacher. And that means that we are going to learn together, um, how to navigate our world, right. Kind of going back to what I said at the beginning. And so in that space, um, th that student was able to come to me after class, it showed number one empathy, like a genuine desire to get things right. Um, but also right. a genuine desire to be heard too, because, you know, this particular student, 
um, you know, she was uncomfortable in this space. And some of it was because of the actions of the other child, but some of it's because she just didn't know what to do and she didn't know like how to react. Mm-hmm. And so simply talking about that again, it became a non-issue. And then, you know, the next day that issue went away. And then that student also started to communicate with her peers in the room. Um, and again, it just kind of, it ceases to be an issue whenever you just address it head on and don't try to shush or change the subject or make it a secret. Um, and to that point, I think that's why it's so critical to have inclusive spaces to begin with, because I think it's, as a teacher, it's another way to model reactions and model curiosity and, and model respect. Um, whenever, you know, a student might have outburst or, you know, a student might, might throw things or whatever it is. Um, I, I live for those moments because it's like, that's where I know my students are going to learn the most. They're going to watch me and they're going to, you know, um, pick up on everything that I do intentionally and unintentionally. And I think that that's one of the strengths of being a teacher. Hmm. That was a great segue into the last question about how then can general education teachers be better partners with special special education teachers uh, in order to build uh, these more intentionally inclusive classrooms? Oh my gosh, I love that question. And I love all these questions. Well done. Like with the question design. Um, so I'm gonna go back to another word that seems to be like the theme um about intentionality. So I will tell you this as a special education teacher, um, you know, six, seven years went by and I would go to all these workshops on inclusion, and there were never any teachers there that weren't special ed teachers. Mm-hmm. So even from the way that we received our training, it was segregated. So there was never a time that I went to one of these trainings. I would go to these amazing things about like co-teaching and all the different models. But, you know, a fine lot of good it did whenever my partner teacher wasn't there. Um, And I think that that's, that's just such a great lens to view this. So inclusion doesn't begin at the end. It begins at the beginning. And so the way that we learn, the way that we collaborate, the way that we plan, the way that we interact, um, the way that we train, the way that we pursue new experiences, that has to be done together. And so as a general education teacher, um, it's really important to to, to meet more than halfway and understand like that's the beauty of the class that all the students are for both teachers um, and that there's so many opportunities there. I also know that sometimes um, for a general education teacher, again, that idea of like discomfort and not knowing what to say or what to do. Um, mm-hmm. There's no training there. They may have been shushed when asked about disabilities when they were three years old. So all of those things sort of play into it too. Um, and I think that, you know, having ownership over vulnerability and saying, you know, I don't know and asking questions is a great place to start too. But more than anything, like being intentional and deciding um, that it needs to be done and deciding that you want to be a part of it um, whenever it comes to working with special ed teachers. I think that um, that those are just critical jumping off points, just deciding um, and asking and learning and, and remembering, again, that inclusion, it starts with, with the people, with the, the people that are that are in the classroom, the, the big people, uh, that the better we get that, the better it, it's going to um, play out into the, the room itself. Teachers have the unique responsibility to create environments where all students belong and can learn. The ways that we create these spaces will shape the future of our world. For more information about Kimberly, visit beyondthecurriculumpodcast.com and check out the show notes. 
In the next episode of Beyond the Curriculum, we will hear from Kristen Ulias, Inclusion Specialist at Da Vinci Charter Academy and Emeritus Faculty with PBLWorks.org. Kristen will share her experience with school-wide PBL that connects schools to the greater community by engaging learners of all abilities. If you enjoy this program, be sure to hit the subscribe button as you will want to catch each and every episode. And remember to leave a rating and review. We appreciate your support and it helps others find the show. Beyond the Curriculum is a part of the Teachers Going Gradeless Network. Please consider partnering with us through the TG2 Patreon page. Your donation will help offset the cost of producing this podcast and bring more meaningful opportunities that take learners beyond, beyond the curriculum. The curriculum.